0: The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Hello, greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We are at episode 366. I'm Paul Spain and with me is Paul Brislin and Nathan McClintock. Welcome along, guys. Thank you for uh, for joining me. Oh, thanks for inviting us. Great to be here. Now, Paul, maybe you can... Mm. Give people a reminder where you fit into this world oh, of goodness. tech and media and whatnot. What not? Yeah,
1: I'm at the whatnot not end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do uh, PR and communications for a raft of um, tech clients. I look after the blog for the Institute of IT Professionals. Uh, I help edit Interface Magazine, which is about technology for teachers. Um and generally I float around doing whatever anybody wants me to do. It's quite good except coding. I can't actually build anything. I just talk about it.
0: X Turk tech Journal, and we we sort of That's you right. know you just keep getting pulled into sort of these random these acts of journalistic type things. Yeah. It's good. It's all good. Yeah. Yes. Oh, well, thank you for uh, for coming back on oh, my as pleasure. always. Yeah. And Nathan, uh this is a bit of this bit of a privilege to have Nathan on the show. Nathan um worked for Guerrilla on two occasions. Um, I came back, Paul. And, uh, <laughs> and we're still friends. <laughs> I don't know what that says. Um, but Nathan, you could probably uh, fill, fill listeners in uh, where you work and what you do these days. Yeah, so
2: yeah, I, I followed the typical progression or what it was back in the old days of starting on a help desk and working my way up the, up the grade from a technical perspective. Um, but now I work for a, a company by the name of, of Max Arver, MXaver is a, a New Zealand company. It's um quite it's, a cool story actually. It's a very cool story actually. It was established in year 2000. It's a software company headquartered in Albany and we have offices in Tokyo, London, uh, Auckland, Wellington and also in Pennsylvania in the US. And uh yeah, we've been running for 17 years as I said and our Core, I suppose, software is disaster recovery software that is built for a specific IBM platform called the IBM i, which I hope some of the listeners have heard of. Uh, but it's this this platform is mainly operated by large banks and manufacturers and you know billion dollar turnover type companies. So we're fortunate enough to have uh, customers in forty countries around the world, and um, yeah, really. Really pleased to be here and to talk tech with you, Paul, and you too, Paul.
0: Yeah, well, it's always, it's always good to hang out chat chat through these things, Nathan, and I thought, well, we should, uh, we should have you on the show rather than just uh, uh, chatting about these things sort of uh, offline, so cool. uh, yeah, great great to, uh, to have you here. Now, quite a few bits and pieces to, uh, to chat through this week. There's uh, Cyber Smart Week that we'll try and get to, uh, Two Degrees have launched uh, Wi-Fi, or in the process of launching Wi-Fi Calling uh, in New Zealand uh uber have had some dramas i mean what we can they <laughs> had dramas eh yeah. um, uh, skype and china and census censorship we'll, uh, we'll we'll talk a, a little bit about um germany banning uh, smart watches uh the idea of a hyperloop, uh, and for those that recall this technology, this is uh, you know very fast uh, trains running through tubes. Um, but, <laughs> Tube spam, but a tubeless hyperloop. So kind of kind of curious, uh, and a few other uh, few other topics as well. Now, starting off, um, there are some smartphone topics we'll talk about, but starting off, let's talk about Tesla. Um, now, because last week's episode wasn't a newsy one, it was it was focused on uh, my visit to uh, Huawei in China. We didn't get to uh, we didn't get to cover this, so I've been uh, been waiting for a couple of weeks You've to hanging uh, out uh, uh, to talk about it. But uh, look, Tesla have, have finally uh, unveiled their, their truck or mm. semi as they call them a uh, uh, semi truck as they call them in the um, uh, the, the US. Uh, and also their new uh roadster, which is uh, um it's it's a little way off, but um look they've uh <laughs> we can't they've given call us it vaporware. a vaporware, a taste of a taste of what's coming That's well right. they usually tend to deliver don't they eventually now sometimes yeah. the delivery dates change, and you know some of the bits and pieces um and there can be some challenges with delivering as we're seeing with the uh Tesla Model three at the moment there are a few Production challenges, shall we say, that are that are keeping uh, Elon Musk uh, awake at night. Uh, but it, it, it seems like that if you could believe anyone that they're going to release um, or you know bring to market an electric truck that's going to sell in in big numbers, yeah. then Tesla's the sort of company you would have some uh, some confidence in. Uh, it's you know for me it's probably just the the, the timing question and whether they're a hundred percent right on on all of their uh, you know, specifications and things they've talked about. Yeah.
2: I'm actually quite surprised it's taken them this long. To be fair, in fact, I'm you know in re- retrospect I'm quite surprised that it wasn't trucking and you know and long haul and so forth. It was but attacked first before yeah, yeah. you know the consumer end of the market. I, I suppose with the consumer end of the market, you're going to generate a bit of interest and money. Uh, but, you know, I, I had the privilege, I think, of driving the I-40 in the US um, over a period of time. And um, that is long, straight roads cutting through Arizona. Yep. And it is literally truck after truck, you know, white tractor unit, white single trailer, no double trailers or anything, and they're just burning diesel. And it's, it's just... Big big convoys, and it's a head scratcher as to. You know, I understand there are some, there will be some technical challenges around as we were talking before around getting them going, mm, um, getting right. enough torque to get them cranking. But really, once they're going, um, there should be very little reason to even have. Um, any diesel being burnt.
1: Well, and and you've got to say um, trucking in the US is ripe for disruption. It's it's still the biggest, I think it's the biggest employer. Some ridiculous amount, state by state, of people are involved in the trucking industry. uh, And the two big trends in uh, in vehicle technology, um, the move to electrification and, of course, autonomous driving uh, are ideal for the trucking sector. And I think it won't be very long before uh, you start to see the jobs um, going the way of, um, of, of all the other jobs in, uh, in easily disrupted sectors, um, you know, disappearing down the toilet. And, and there will be a major problem for a lot of... Uh, the state-level American um, politicians who've ensured that uh, trucking remains a, a, a major industry. But this, this to me is is the first step on that journey. You know, if we can, if you can crack building that network of recharging stations, and you can you can get on top of um, the uh, the sheer scale of it, then uh, you're quite right. Trucking is is the obvious one to to disrupt first. Much as I'd love a roadster, I'm not sure that you're going to sell terribly many $300,000 uh, sports cars. But trucks like this um, that could run all day and um, eventually become autonomous—that's that's that's, that's game-changing, really, isn't
2: it? Yeah, I think I think you underestimate the political side, though, because. Mm. you're the the, well, the beauty of um, cars or vehicles, personal vehicles, is you can kind of choose which one to buy. And it's of, yeah. you know, the, the consequences are multiple degrees removed. Um, you know, there might be a whole lot of people in Detroit that lose their jobs because, you know, Ford isn't making as many cars or something, or maybe they, right. can, they can adapt. But truck drivers, um, you know, as you're saying, it's a massive, massive industry. And I, I could imagine there's a lot of uh, protectionism over there and um it would be a big a big deal to and, and I think it would take it'll take years it'll take twenty thirty years possibly for that sort of thing to change i would suggest
1: yeah it's um it's uh, it 's one of those technologies that might just suddenly rush upon you and, and, and there will be massive change um, or it, it is going to be stymied by the politics, as you say, and I think that's, there's a lot, to, to, a lot of water under the bridge before they get to that point. I think the technology is very close mm. um, and certainly uh, there's a, a, a chap called Tony Sieber who is a, um, a lecturer in terms of um, – he, he talks a lot about disruption uh, works for Harvard. Um, he's involved in a couple of New Zealand companies. Uh, and I said much the same to him, it'll be 10, 20 years because people don't buy cars that often. Mm. Uh, he said, no, he's expecting it in five to 10 year time frame that... Uh, autonomous vehicles will come along and uh, there are a raft of people who like driving and choose to drive there are a huge number of people who don't care and just will um, they just want a vehicle they press the button on uber and the car will arrive at the door and it doesn't matter if it's got a driver or not and then when you see uber saying uh we'll take all the autonomous cars that volvo can build in the last couple of weeks um you know it's starting to Really, see a huge trend. I think the costs involved in maintaining a driver in the US is something like forty percent of the cost of moving mm. goods across the burgers. planet. A, yeah, lot yeah. a lot of burgers, a lot of yellow food, yeah. uh, and that is um, that is a major concern. You know, they, the trucking companies will say, "Well, yeah, thanks for coming, but um, we don't need you anymore." And uh, you'll start to see these things roll out quite quickly. I think
2: I probably should have said actually, I'm an autonomous car denier.
1: Are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah you're not having a bar of it. No. I no, I like driving. I enjoy yeah. it. But I also, um, uh, I've seen the Tesla autonomous cars uh, and I like their approach, which is, uh, uh, you know... I suddenly, oh, I've got to take that selfie that, uh, you know, I'll take my hands off the wheel yeah. and pick up my phone and I'll take a f- picture and the car takes over. Yeah. Years ago, I, uh, I reviewed a Mercedes that had, um, for Top Gear magazine, uh, it had forward-facing radar. It had um, a gearbox that kept an eye on what speed you were doing. If you, were, if you forgot to change gears, look, don't worry about it. It'll do it for you. Mm. If you weren't braking hard enough, don't worry. I'll do it for you. If you deviate from the lane, all those kinds of technologies are now becoming much more mainstream. And I think that's the first step in autonomous driving is you give away the boring bits Mm, to the robot and then eventually you go, why am I bothering with the steering wheel? I actually don't really need it. And then we're all in helicopters, robo helicopters, and then it's all good that's right i see no downside at all <laughs> well having having used google maps in hamilton yeah <laughs> hamilton <laughs> before
2: yeah, yeah. i know there's yeah. no no chance there's going to be a, an autonomous car driving in hamilton anytime soon <laughs> i can tell you that <laughs> unless be it's off got the road in autonomous yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it
0: is interesting how poor <laughs> some you know technology is and you try and you line that up with well if you know, if Google Maps or this or that yeah, tool yeah. can't be better, can't be more reliable, how on earth would could you they trust it with deliver a you know a vehicle that actually you yeah. can be completely relaxed about one hundred percent reliable? Look, on. you know, I've um, you know I've had problems with with the iPhone recently with some you know software reliability issues and things yeah. that like what's it doing? Why is that taking so long? And yeah, yeah what are the what are the things that could um could mess with a car? I don't know, maybe uh uh maybe they're they're really gonna nail that stuff. Um I mean a, a lot of aspects are probably more predictable because a car is a robot that doesn't have to do two million things. Uh, you know it has to head down road, and yeah you 've got a whole oh, lot of things. variables and things yeah. that could happen, um, but you 're maybe not going to be trying to do um, you know, as many different things as you might do on a phone mm. with a new bit of software that loaded today so let 's say it 's an update to the podcast app doesn 't handle as well as a as a previous version and you know particular use cases, but you know the, the car 's purpose will be. Yeah, very, uh, very specific. So yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, I'm reasonably hopeful we're going to get there on that, Nathan. Well, um, and
2: cars cars are wasteful. They you know, are, they're, they're they're. These, these single units that drive off in all these um, yep. sort of random locations. Yeah, yeah. And you're costly I, I, to maintain I, I, and own yeah, and exactly. costly to But even, you and know, and even as a, whether it's a petrol <clears throat> vehicle or an electric vehicle. Yeah, mm. And, you know, I see, you know, in Auckland in particular, you know, in our situation or here in New Zealand, um, I just can't see it happening for a long time. I, I see a, a more sensible approach being better transport hubs, and yeah. then a, and then a focus on individual transport um, technology like. Um, you know, these skateboards. E-bikes. And, yeah, e-bikes and e-skates. Hoverboards and
1: hoverboards. Where's my hoverboard? They
0: just don't hover. But other, yeah. other than that. The- <laughs> <laughs>
1: so again, to, to um, uh, Tony Sieber's thing, uh, that's exactly the, the model he sees, that we will eventually say, why am I paying all this money to store this thing that I only use for forty minutes at the start of the day and forty minutes at the end of the day, this is this is a ridiculous waste of mm. space and of money. Um, and the move to autonomous cars would free us up from having to own one of these things. Uh, you just you just do the Uber thing and just say, "Well, I need a car now and press a button." And uh, if it's electric, of course, then the costs of running it are so much lower that, um, well, I want to drive you know, from here to Invercargill. I don't need to steal a Mini. I just call an Uber and hop in it, and away I go. And it wouldn't be uh, prohibitive.
0: Well, I think it'll be probably be a combination of I those that's two. Right. Yeah, sort of some, what I'm hearing is that there, there's a big focus on improving transport systems and then – the term of uh, we've talked about it on the show before, multi-mode transport. Mm. So to get from A to B, rather than have say your you know your um, you know, e cycle or you know your car take you there, it's like well I might you know ride a bit of this here and a bit yep. of that there. Uh, a good transport system for a good chunk because the yeah the issue with Auckland is suddenly yeah everyone had an autonomous car, and that was our way to uh, to get to work uh, and actually you don 't have an autonomous car because we 're doing the, the sharing model that you That's talked right. about well then there 's still going to need to be. <clears throat> Uh, parks, a huge, port, no, well, huge, a huge number of vehicles, because <laughs> everyone <is> <laughs> tends to want to travel at a similar at the same time. time. Yeah, so exactly. what you have to do there is shorten that up so the yep. amount of time that we use a vehicle is well. Yeah. I just need it from my house to the to the next, you know, step in the in the in the in that in chain, the chain. Yeah, right? Yeah. Whether that's a train or a bus or it's a van or or it's um, or it's me actually sharing the vehicle, so I'm saying, "Well, look, I'm you know I'm happy to go in a in, a, in the autonomous uh, vehicle, yeah. Uh, but actually, I don't mind. Look, it's got four seats in it that I'll have my seat, and it'll pick somebody else up the road and yeah, yeah, and yeah. so on. But uh, the idea of needing as many vehicles as what we need today, uh, I'm hoping we get past that reasonably quickly yeah. and get some traffic off the roads. Oh, that's right. Um, in Hong Kong, over the last few days, I was. Just blown away. A, there were just Teslas all over the Tesla's place. Teslas everywhere. Yes, um, yeah. But there was so little traffic, even, even at a sort of rush hour type times, compared to when I was in Hong Kong, uh... Twenty odd years ago, yep. now I've been to Hong Kong in between, but I haven't been thinking too much about transport and traffic. But I remember on the on my you know first visit mm. there, probably early. It wasn't my first visit, but my you know in my career, probably I don't know I was aged around twenty or, or so. And um, did they have cars back then? And <laughs> the. Uh, <laughs> I remember just just some of the driving techniques that were just <laughs> yeah. crazy from the taxi drivers, and they've helped me uh, navigate traffic around traf, traffic jams in Auckland and elsewhere in the world ever ever since. <laughs> yeah. um, so apologies for others that have come across me on the road, um, but I didn't have any of that on this uh, on this no, visit. No. I mean, They're things all the were just was yeah. so you know so quick, mm-hmm. and yeah, but, you know they've had. I guess they've had the um, the MTR there for you know for a long time, but it seems as though they've managed to move more and more people off uh, off the roads. So yeah, it yeah. Was, uh, well, yeah, they it made was it good.
1: easier. You don't even I don't even know if you need an Oyster card these days to to jump on the tube. You just use your credit card, swipe on, swipe off. Uh, no, you know, I think can, it was
0: you still had the had yeah, to the, use the uh, the Oyster card. Yeah, yeah, uh, they're the, the migrating to they the system. There?
1: Yeah, um, um, I, I was staggered. I watched them. Well, I didn't watch them doing it, but I was talking to a guy in Hong Kong about uh, the way they um, build tunnels uh, to get between the islands. And literally Mm. they drop concrete tubes in the water, glue them together and pump the water out. And so it is incredibly fast. Uh, it's all precast, and they just drop them in one by one and, and move them together, and uh, they build tunnels, and they just sit on the mud at the bottom of the uh. So It's just you don't remarkable. You don't
0: even bother with actually. There's uh, no
1: surveying or, you know, pff, off we go. Yeah, it'll be you don't, fine. You don't, you're not going
0: to dig within, out under the, under the you know, ocean, so you just drop it on the ocean just floor. Just sit it
1: on the floor, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So you hope they 're uh, paying attention to all of that, but it, it is uh, it is fascinating and the, and the the future of um, transport is great. I want to know why, with all this electric cars we 've got electric trucks now uh, where are, where are the electric bikes? I mean instant talk on a on a on a superbike i 'm sure would be every bikey's dream, and yet i 've seen very little about electric scooters or electric motorbikes. Is it just that the batteries would be too small and The device just can't possibly. possibly Well, definitely saw
0: some in uh, in China, so it seemed to be Mm. seemed to be quite uh, quite common there. There's you know they're they're really trying to deal with the pollution issues. You know I noticed that in Shanghai where the pollution is pretty bad. Yeah, Uh, but yeah, electric uh, electric motorbikes. Yeah. uh, and yeah, you know, the typical sorts of things in some parts of the world, they were piling these things up with yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, carrying a, carrying <laughs> a lot a lot of stuff. Not not the extremes you see in some parts of the world, not and, the Vietnam, you know, not not a family yeah. of five, uh, you know, trying to clamber clamber on um, so much. But certainly, yeah, getting good utilization out of a couple of wheels. Put it that way. Yeah, yeah, um, way so, so 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 that was very good. Um, one of the other uh, things that I, I got a chance to meet with. Um, Gary McLaren in um in Hong Kong and um thank you to Ron McMahon for that uh, intro and uh, Gary is the uh, CTO for Hong Kong uh, broadband mm and quite fascinating to both have a chat to him about the uh, NBN in, in Australia which is you a know train wreck. Their, uh, their 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 train wreck of trying to uh, you know get get broad, broadband out to uh, out to the masses in Australia so No, I think a, it's
1: just a way of getting money was, to uh, Telstra <laughs> that seems to be all that's working
0: uh, yeah, yeah it's so
1: pretty tough though is, but they're doing it the wrong way as well so yeah. it doesn't help
0: so good yeah. good chat on that, and we might delve into a podcast on um on on that at some mm. stage, but also just hearing about how the company that he's joined there in the last few years uh has put fiber out across to you know, a pretty large percentage of the population and to businesses and competing yeah. with the incumbent and uh, and doing very well there so um um, yeah, it'd be a, a, a helpful place to be from a broadband uh, perspective for most people because they oh, can absolutely. get uh, get access to very, very good broadband. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I met the regulator uh, many years ago now in Hong Kong, and he said basically his job was just to keep out of the way because there was so much competition in the market there. Uh, I think they had six or seven copper networks. They were all entirely independent and at that stage, they had one or two fiber networks that were just being deployed. And uh, the speeds and the price were just ridiculous. Uh, and I'm delighted to see some of that coming to New Zealand now with the UFB. Uh, I've just upgraded. I've now got a gigabit speed symmetrical with unlimited Data for a hundred bucks a month. I, you just never think about your broadband again. It's fantastic. That's what I want. I don't want to think about it. I just want to use it.
0: Yep. I'm yeah. picking you. Uh, you must be on a five hundred slash thousand plan. No, than no. I'm no. on thousand thousand. Thank you very much.
1: So tell me That's who's with offering slingshot, like? uh, and um, I don't know if it's a special offer or what, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty damn fast. I've got issues with my home wiring, so I don't get the full thousand at each end of the house. But when I'm on the Wi-Fi. Uh, you can see that the Wi-Fi is the is the limit <laughs> on the uh, on the plan. So, yeah, it's it's tremendous. And uh, I never thought I would need a thousand, but I personally don't. Uh, but a house full of people, you, you actually notice um, the difference between the the hundred plan that I was on and the new thousand. Having recently
0: that that
1: plan being being offered, maybe is... it's a secret one. Maybe I should have kept my mouth shut. You'll yep. have to get slingshot in to have a chat. About <laughs> <it>. <laughs> he- having
2: recently, <laughs> just, they're usually just pretty good. From ADSL us. to VDSL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah.
1: I'm loving it, man. Oh, from, from, from sixteen one it? to
2: yeah. 30, thirty ten. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, this is it. And and I found it was the upload that was the most impressive because mm. I do a lot of work from home. So um, sending out photos or um, spamming people with bulk emails, you know, mm. it, just, it just doesn't care. Off it goes. Mm. It's exactly what you want. But I found that going from me being the only user in the house, um, I'm just doing a timeline of sort of telco development for a client. And uh, 2000, I was the only user in the house and I had one megabit symmetrical connection. And it was blisteringly fast. It was fantastic. And I only had one gig of data a month, which oddly was a bit of a problem, um, to ADSL and then uh, ADSL2 and then VDSL mm. and, and now fiber. My usage has, has increased, but so too of the number of people in my house that use the internet. And my wife, who's got no interest at all, but of course she's watching TV or, or um, catch-up television or Netflix or whatever's going on. Uh, the kids are all doing their homework, and that's all online. All four of us at the same time. Suddenly, I start to think a hundred wasn't enough yeah well can we just take
2: a moment to commiserate with people like me who have to wait till 2019 before they get somebody UfB. has
0: to be last so yeah yes. <laughs> that's the nature of big infrastructure that's project right. Nathan and uh, but there's people look we're, there, we're, we're very appreciative uh, to you and you know all our other listeners that are stuck in the Both know, our other in, listeners in the same in uh, <laughs> position but uh, hey once we've once we've made the change there's no going back oh look um, it is it's gross so, uh, and it'll yeah. be worth it when you get there because they'll have out all the kinks about oh, the incident yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Oh, it's yeah, yeah it's hard at the moment, Nathan.
1: You wouldn't want to have difficult. to go through. You wouldn't, an you wouldn't want to know. No, no, yeah, yeah, no. yeah they Don't might. let them connect the wrong part of your house because that's what I've got. I've got a Cat Six network throughout the house, and they've attached it to the wrong end of the house, so all my carefully laid plans have all fallen apart. Okay, I'll take no thanks, Chorus. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll see. You're
0: right. Paul knows a guy. Um, I've uh, I've I've looked at slingshots uh, at slingshots website and uh they they're talking about a maximum a maximum of 500 megabits I, so I may have we'll have talked, to, get maybe you to maybe it's all con let me just double check here so, to see who so i'm with so uh, we'll we'll have I to move. get you to find out do a speed test and um um you yeah, tell us how i'll uh, I'll how, share how, with the group how yes. that, how that, how that's happening show off <laughs> um there you go um because um I want that. You want that? <laughs> you do. And Can't literally, somebody having is, a going no That This just just wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be acceptable, Paul.
1: Okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, 566 down, 324 up. Um, and as I say, that was off the Wi-Fi off my laptop, and I'm mm. pretty sure that was butting heads with how fast the laptop could go. No, I'm, um,
0: I'm, I'm,
1: uh, I'm picking you won't get much more than 500 up on that oh, yeah yeah no and, uh, and to be honest but I don't know
0: I'd that's, pretty, that's to, pretty good I though I wouldn't be able to test you it you can't really complain about, <laughs> no. about that for most stuff can you I mean no. there's not too many times where uh, the, the speeds that we get on our ultra fast broadband network in New Zealand um, yeah, be a problem for most homes yeah, that, that's, that's exactly true. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and they're also, I think they're starting to move to uh, putting gigabit to classrooms as well in a school. So rather than just a one pipe into yep. a school, actually a fibre connection to each uh, each classroom. Well, so so you that's really part of network Pump for up bandwidth, uh, right? model. Yeah, they they yeah. Um, they're not
1: doing a physical upgrade because uh, the connections were already there. Um, what they're doing is saying instead of offering hundred megabits per class, per school. Uh, which seemed like an awful lot back in the day. Uh, of course, the kids are making use of it, so now they're upping it to uh, a gigabit per school, uh, and I think it'll go up from there as well because, mm. as you say, some classrooms are very intense users of broadband what I was delighted with that um, announcement was the uh, the move to also offer a wireless service from the school to the neighbourhood. So those kids who go home who don't have internet access at home, and there's still a large percentage of uh, the, the catchment area uh, who are in that position, um, they, uh, they can piggyback off the school's internet connection for free. So I'd like to encourage that That's all over the place. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah, very uh, YouTube
2: to the masses.
1: Exactly, Minecraft for all.
0: Very handy. So on this whole, we were talking about trucks at one stage before. I can't quite remember. We we veered off in a few other uh, few <laughs> other directions. Uh, we haven't got through too many of our topics yet. So, um, but as for the trucks, I think they're pretty cool. Uh, I think you know Nathan's point at the beginning around tr- you know maybe trucks should have come before cars. I think yeah, there's. A lot of a lot of sense there, if you can get the uh, uh, the basically these things paying for themselves right, and if they're l- less expensive to run, then that that kind of makes it a very easy decision. that might be that they're electric becomes less expensive. Uh, or it might be up for debate uh, whether these things can actually drive themselves now the uh, the initial ones don 't have room in them for a, uh, a sleeper, so um, the uh, the truckie has to take a um, tent with him or, or stay in a five star <laughs> hotel or wh- wherever in between that, um, that, that that fits I guess the truck stop um, which is, is something that i've you know, i 've seen raised but uh, no it looks looks pretty exciting. And uh, yeah, you can uh, get one of these. I think starting at one hundred and fifty thousand US dollars. So either you're going to be too. putting putting down a uh, a, a deposit and uh, investing in uh, in trucking. Mm. Yeah, I think so. It <laughs> oh, makes perfect sense. It's
1: either that or this thing they call. Uh, and it's a strange word. Trains, and you just put all the stuff on one of them. That yeah. might be the answer.
0: It's, it's it's funny, isn't it? With all the trains <laughs> that there are in the US. Uh, new Zealand and so on. Still, the economics on on mm. trains yeah. um, don't don't seem to be there. In a, in a in a lot of cases, maybe with with technology and some of the new smarts that are coming along, they will uh, they'll work out a way to improve that. And you know, one thing I saw at this uh, the factory with uh, Huawei last week was uh, a robot that pulls itself up yeah. um, to a conveyor belt where you've got a box or boxes of uh, um, completed, you know, manufactured phones and the robot pulls up and then these uh, these boxes move off and onto the robot and then off to wherever right, else right. They, they need to go. And as you start sort of tying these things together, um, we, you know, I'm, I'm sort of thinking, well, maybe this, you know, multi-mode transport thing we talk about for people Actually, will make more sense for uh, for for movement of goods as yeah, well, yeah. and Venture you make better things. use of those rail rail lines, um, and uh, and better use of of the trucks. But you you know you link the two together where where appropriate, and um, yeah, I mean we've even seen more technology in the in the airports. I noticed oh, now it didn't used right. to be well. Very recently, yeah, I've seen you looked out the window of your plane and you see them. Uh, you know, manoeuvring your your baggage in a fairly sort of manual way on the back of Ad hoc. trolley type, well, you know, yeah. b- behind a vehicle. And now what you see is you see a conveyor belt that goes all, well, it looks as though it goes all the way, and you know, inside the uh, terminal, the terminal. And they just link together all these conveyor belts for the whole uh, uh, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. and um, Much Yeah, I've only really just started noticing that recently. So, uh, so your stuff only gets thrown once. Is yeah. That what you're saying? yeah. yeah. <laughs> well this laptop's still working and it was uh, yeah. it was checked in uh, yesterday um, all right so we did have a couple of other a uh, couple of other 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 topics um, now one of them was we've got a phone in front of us well, we did have where did it go oh it's in my pocket sorry did you, um, did you want flying that Flying around here that I did want to uh, did want to mention briefly now this one is interesting is from Huawei uh, who They've had a bit of attention on the show last week, uh, but they emailed me today about uh, this new handset, which is called the Huawei Nova Two I. And I thought, oh yeah, what's this about? It's a five hundred dollar phone. Um, probably nothing to uh, nothing to you know get too excited about. Um, but a couple of things stood out to me. It looks. Quite similar in terms of design to one of their you know their higher end phones. Um, it's got dual camera on the front and dual camera on the on the rear. Uh, it's a reasonably high spec uh, phone for that sort of price point, and it's also got um, they've you know not got a home button, um, a physical one on the front of the screen because you've got the big screen that sort of goes edge to mm. edge. And reasonably close to the top and bottom, not too dissimilar uh, to their Mate 10 uh, Pro in in many ways. That's right. Um, so, but um, less less than half the price. So you know this is probably the sort of reason that Huawei are uh, you know getting out there and winning a lot of market share because they're putting some some nice handsets. Uh, out in the market, more competitive prices. Um, it's not Android eight; this one's Android seven, so there's a little bit of a, uh, a chink there. Uh, but uh, f- you know, for the price point, it uh, looks uh, looks pretty good. So yeah, I really haven't does, had too much it? of a time to play with it, but, but it does look uh, does look nice.
1: Yeah, no, it's a nice bit of kit, and it uh, it feels good. It's got more cameras than you can shake a stick at. And uh, are you taking lots of photos of us? Hopefully. Yeah,
0: I'm just trying the uh, you know the speed <coughs> shot. You hold down the button, and it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Goes nuts. He just starts fiddling straight (laughs) away. He just starts playing with things, doesn't
1: he? (laughs) It's hopeless.
0: So yeah, it's.
1: um, uh, I think you're quite right. That's. It's a sign that Huawei is very keen on taking over the world. And if they can make things like that, then uh, yeah, more power to them. I say. Mm.
0: I mean, they've got some competition, um, and uh, uh, the the, you know in China there's um, Oppo and uh, what's the other one? Uh, Vivo, I think Mm. that are uh, um, you know doing reasonably well also, uh, but. Yeah, pretty pretty impressed with how
1: they're going. It out looks very so iPhone like, though, doesn't it? It, it? You would mistake it for an iPhone X quite easily, I suspect.
0: Yeah, it's um, mind you, it's, it's a, it's a nice sort same, of don't. you know metal feel to it. I don't know whether it is all. Um, I haven't delved into all the the specs, but it uh, yeah, it's got the nice nice feeling and I yeah. like the weight, curved it's, edges. It nice doesn't, doesn't yeah. feel too too light. Um, and yeah, it's kind of nice having the um, having the the dual camera front and back. So, mm. Mm.
2: Yeah, certainly beats paying thirteen hundred bucks for
1: oh anything for it, else. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for five hundred bucks, that's a lot of phone. Exactly. Yeah,
0: and I think you know we're 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 coming into a time now where even the even the cheapy phones are yeah you know, reason, reasonably well specced mm. you, know, you go out and buy a one hundred ninety nine dollar phone, and uh, it's got a you know, couple of couple of gigs of RAM at a you know yeah. Base minimum, it wasn't long ago those cheaper phones were, you know, maybe a quarter of that. So, uh, yeah, and a reasonable bit of storage. Um, now, what else? Um, oh, talking of, of phones, uh, there was a little bit of uh, media coverage around a 10 um, uh, year old who found that they were able to unlock their mother's iPhone ten. Oh no, no! Face recognition isn't secure yet. Oh, so I'm this stag- was very curious because we got—I guess that the, what we got told by Apple was a you know incorrect, uh, you know, or sort of false positive about one in every hundred thousand times. Sure, uh, but of course, sometimes there's there's some real similarities uh, that are that are passed on from one generation to another. Uh, and you've also got those uh, those scenarios where you've got identical twins and the yep. and the like as well. Um, yeah, and in this uh, this particular um, case, uh, we uh, yeah we saw this uh, ten year ten year old, and um, he was able to uh, unlock his uh, his mum's phone. It was an interesting article that
2: <laughs> that was uh, referenced. They referred to it as a as a hack. And I thought this isn't a hack
1: because a hack actually
2: requires that, some that's effort. That's right. Yeah. If you can yeah. just
1: look at something and it's
2: a hack, yeah. then um, well, I don't know what the world's coming to. But and, uh, and
1: it's not as if he's made any changes to the system itself. He's no. not. He's not done anything. He's just used his face. Yeah. Which I'm not sure it's a hack. It's uh, it's a feature, not a bug. And th- and that's interesting that you talk about it being a
2: feature because you know it seems to be me with uh, consumer technology in many cases these days. Features win over quality yeah, all, all the exactly. time and yep. the the actual testing of the idea is is not carried out with the right amount of rigor yeah you know, yeah. I was sort it's of a asking, rush to market yeah I, was, yeah I was asking myself the question, you know is this bad software development or is it, or is it poor architecture, or is it just a bad idea yeah you know?
1: yeah yeah
2: um, and maybe it's just a bad idea, and if you if you're an os eleven user, you should probably just have an
1: alphanumeric. Password, because that's actually the best way to secure your device. Well, this is uh, especially when you get into the realms of um, securing, uh, being able to unsecure your phone or access your phone without your permission, even while you're asleep. I mean, the thumbprint um, I use all the time, and I think it's it's great. But I am very much aware that I don't need to be conscious or cooperating for somebody to use my thumb to unlock my phone, mm. uh, and it's it's got to be the same with face facial recognition, uh, I, I do wonder just what path we're going down with all of this, mm. um, whether it is uh, actually adding security or whether it's, it's taking
0: something away. So, yeah, it is, it is definitely a, a trend. So somebody can't break into your house at night and unlock your phone with your fingerprint and then transfer, um, you know, get access to That's all right. your highly confidential yeah. secret uh, data in your bank accounts.
1: So yeah, well, it's I was for me. It's, send it's, somebody it's,
0: over to do that. <laughs> uh,
1: it's, I don't worry about your lot so much because they're easy to spot coming. But it's the um, uh, it's the uh, transport authorities when you're travelling into the US or you know certain mm. other um, dictatorship countries. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to word this carefully because yeah. I do have to fly at some stage soon yeah. and they'll, they'll want to ask questions. You know, it's, it's that kind of environment where um, uh, the Americans in particular have made it clear they, there is no uh, right to uh, access uh, a device if it's, if it's locked with a PIN number or a password, but um, uh, a thumbprint is a different matter and the courts are treating it as a different matter. Uh, and you can be um, required... I don't know. Forced is the word, but that's how I picture it. Um, to unlock your phone if it's if it's secured with a thumbprint, so that kind of environment is really not quite what I'm after. Thank you very much. No,
0: no. Actually, I thought the US was also in the position where they were they were moving um, to where you have to unlock a, a device as well with a well. With they've password. talked about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially at the borders, and um, uh, one day somebody's going to sort out the border control. Uh, requirements in the US because they are quite draconian Um, but I suspect at the moment they quite like it like that so it'll be a while but uh, yeah certainly my advice to anybody travelling to these places is um, don't have anything on your phone that you aren't happy to reveal to the world and not just your phone but laptops as well Mm. uh certainly for my journo buddies this is a a major problem when they go to the middle east because a lot of the countries will stop you and uh take take your laptop away to be um reviewed before you're allowed through so Mm. that is Mm. uh that is highly dubious
0: yeah and you know most people think oh well why would i have anything that Mm. would 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 be an issue but you know we come from a civilization where you know Free speech is just normal. We can say whatever we, we yep. want, uh, you know, about a government and share our opinions and so on, but um, there are other parts of the world where, that's, where not that's, uh, yes. that's, that's not the case and there are all sorts of things from what you wear, um, you know, things yeah. you can say and, and so on that can uh, can get you into into trouble that we might not realise. That's right.
2: Um, yeah, so back to the um, the supposed hack,
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say to people,
2: you know, just because you can, it doesn't mean you should use facial recognition technology for securing your device, which could possibly have even – you may not even be entirely conscious of the information that's there. Use an alphanumeric password. It's
0: what works.
1: That's right, yeah. (laughs) And a long one too. Nice and simple. Exactly.
0: And what about um, Touch ID and equivalents fingerprint fingerprint readers? It's all on the same – basis from your perspective because someone can get it while you're sleeping? Well, it's, still, it's, yeah. mm. it's much more established technology. It doesn't necessarily mean
2: it's entirely awesome. I mean, the great thing about a password is no one that I am aware of right now can hack into my mind and work out what that password is if, it, if it's sufficiently um, wacky enough.
0: But somebody can see you put it into a device, mm. which they could be looking from you know some distance, that's and right. Get, and get that as well. So I don't think there's actually any, there's no, you know, we haven't landed on the perfect solution. I, I have a big yet. trench coat yeah. that I
2: <laughs>
0: put my device
2: underneath when I put my password. When I'm up. typing. Well, actually, that's when multi factor authentication is probably of course. necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thumbprint and password or and something. something like that. Yeah, but, yeah. And sort of, you know, blood sample or something. Need, as we, well. need we go on? Yeah. You know. yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. So uh, on, on to other topics. Um, so there is a company called Arrivo uh, who, are, who are planning on uh, launching in uh, Denver, Colorado, in the US in just about four years' time, and they've taken the uh, the Hyperloop uh, concept and um, seem to have well got somewhere a little bit different with it. Nathan, what um, what did you pick up from uh, from reading this? Well, I think
2: my view is you're drawing a long bow, if you can kind of put it in the hyperloop category. Exactly. Maybe I'm being a bit unfair. But one thing I really like about this idea, and for the listeners who aren't necessarily aware of it, hopefully I've got it right, is effectively a magnetic track mm. Right, that an individual vehicle can travel on on top of some kind of carriage or a purpose-built vehicle that can go onto this particular track or onto the road. Am I right, Paul? Yes, I yeah, am. Yeah, that's good. pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. So the the thing that I like about this is um, the the inventors, if you can call them that, have realised that you know there's there's no point in trying to dig another hole. Let's just. Um, stick this on you know, next to the road that already exists. And the thing that I like about that is you've actually got a, a migration strategy from on-road to um, some technology that's a lot more efficient, mm. um, faster, you know, more efficient, et cetera. And it just allows that thing to happen. You know, one of the, the big problems with Hyperloop and um, digging tunnels is they're really, really, really expensive. Mm. Even if you build some cool tech to do it, I mean, if you look at the, the Waterview tunnel here in um, Auckland, and I'm, you've probably spoken about it in previous podcasts, $1.4 billion <laughs> yeah,
0: on for whole two and a
2: half k's yeah, of yeah. tunnel, plus supporting infrastructure on yeah. either side. But that's a lot of coin for two, two and a half k's. Mm. So it just doesn't make sense to, to do tunnels, um, in my mind, especially when there's no real kind of migration path from on-road to hyperloop. That's that's cost effective. I would. I really like this idea, and I think it's the sort of thing that can scale up and down, uh, and
1: it could it could work in New Zealand quite easily,
2: as well. Which which is what I like. Which about would it. be
1: very good. I'm quite keen on the idea of high speed rail up and down the country, and this seems like a, a good step. But this, to me, seems to be. Uh, a slightly different version of um not so much the hyperloop but more of uh, a maglev train mm. out of out yes. of the the eastern asian countries and that's that's well developed technology these days and yes please we'll have one of those um maybe two so i i do I, I agree with you i like the that step of um uh you can drive your car onto a platform and it will it will you know just be a carriage on the uh, on the on the train track as it were. Um, uh, much as I like the idea of the Hyperloop, I doubt I will ever see one of those get yeah. built unless it's somewhere like um, Dubai or Qatar that says we'll throw billions of dollars at this and we don't care about the environment, just dig a big trench and put it in and well, cover it go. up again. Yeah. Um, so you're not likely to see that anywhere else, I don't think.
0: Yeah, well, I think the, the part of the reason that that the, the headlines were sort of refer to them as... Um, uh, you know, Hyperloop company is that, that it's a company that was founded by um, a former SpaceX and Hyperloop one um, engineer. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think um, there's mm-hmm. a good chance that one will will fly. Actually, yeah, yeah. Of, of many of the
2: ideas that have been had flash videos made of them and, you know, some serious seed funding put into them, I think something like Arrivo is actually a really, really good idea and could fly. It's quite practical. Yeah, mm.
1: yeah. I mean, you could start with just a regular um, traditional carriage on, on the track, couldn't you, and uh, work your way up to these mm. um, cargo sleds and uh, uh, vehicle sleds. There's, there's nothing – I mean, it's not dissimilar to putting a car on the um, – uh, the, the channel in the UK to France mm. um, you, know, you just drive on and park and carry on from there so that is a, is a very familiar model I don't think there'd be any trouble with it at all
0: mm. um, Now this was one um, picked up a, just over a week ago um, the story about Germany banning smart watches um, not in their entirety but for kids and actually um you know being really concerned about smartwatches being hacked being you know listening uh devices and asking parents to actually uh destroy them and uh yeah there's actually uh yeah there's a there's probably a fair bit of uh you know wisdom in this because if you you look at the wearable devices that that exist today. Particularly the low cost ones aimed aimed at youngsters, um, or any sort of toy, they're usually quite uh, quite poorly made. And when it comes to the tech of uh, a lot of you know internet or connected devices, um, from a security point of view, they're really really poor. They're really rubbish. Um, yeah. It's just you know it's that whole thing of you know in the startup world that minimum viable product term. Well, mm. you know that's exactly what gets applied. Uh, To a lot of this tech Mm. is well, let's just get it good enough so that we can sell it. And um, yeah, maybe sometime, a few years down the track, if there's enough noise about it, we might, you know, address that there are some security concerns, and we'll figure out how to make sure it's not easy for someone to, uh, you know, hack in and and track where where a child is (coughs) from just that. Child having just walked past uh, once, and I managed to hack in, and then you know after and that I can track, track exactly yeah, yeah. where they are going forward.
1: And it's, I think you're right. It's it's this whole uh, emerging internet of things, um, which I always say is short for the internet of things that shouldn't be on the internet. Um, teddy bears <laughs> and um, the like, as well. In the UK, uh, there's a consumer affairs group called Which. Uh, which has just put out a report about the most popular connected toys and found nearly all of them are um, being sold with proven security issues. So you're talking about teddy bears that... Uh, we'll talk to you um, somebody can hack in and send you messages um, through through the through the through your teddy bear. I mean this is appalling um, and the idea of being able to track kids as well i mean that 's just reprehensible, so right. these sort of things need to be uh, built with security first and foremost in mind and sadly these these companies just are not interested in that it 's the lowest common denominator um, cheap and cheerful, bang it out, and get it on the market so i 'm um, glad to see we haven 't seen. Too many of these things come to New Zealand yet, have they? I think
0: maybe next year. We'll oh, well, start well, I to mean see we the got, we've got toys. you know wearables that are starting to be given out. With uh, there was one I think with uh, one of the breakfast cereals. You you know you buy a few boxes, right. and you send something, and they'll send you one back. Now the capabilities of that type of device are going to be reasonably yeah, limited, yeah. right? Um, yeah, the the, cons- the you know more of a concern. Uh, are those that have got uh, you know GPS tracking and yeah. and whatnot and um, yeah you could you can get into some trouble or ones that are that are able to uh, um, you know take communications yeah and look if you've got a device where someone else can be uh, listening in then it's uh, you know, it, it's something you need to be a bit a bit cautious about now yeah, exactly. in terms of how we address this well. Yeah, I think to a degree this comes with sort of scale and bigger players that mm-hmm. we we trust a bit more. Um, you know, you can h- hold those to a higher standard than you can, than you can with something that's you know come in with your uh, your breakfast cereal. Uh, that, well, like uh, people trusted Equifax, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or Sony.
2: <laughs> Look, well, that's uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a good point. So I'm a father of three young kids. Oh, actually, I've got a teenage daughter, so she but, wouldn't want to hear. No, no, she a, wouldn't want to hear a that. A young no. kid. And the the thing that really concerns me about these devices is why? Why are they even necessary? Yeah, there is a there is a, a, a vulnerable group of people in society that need devices like like this. You know, people who have you know. Alzheimer's or dementia, or you know, or other others, in, in similar circumstances. Um, you know, older people who like the ability to holler for a, for help. You know, if something happens to them, yeah. those sorts of things. Now, there are devices, very very simple devices, SMS GPS devices that are perfect for that, and and really don't have the same problems that these devices do. But you know, the thing that really concerns me. There's already enough out there that's creating anxiety in the, in the minds of parents and children, why add to it by having you tra- having this thought that you have to track your children? Yeah. I love it. My, my my daughter goes up into the local bush and um, mucks around and does her own thing up there and just enjoys being in the bush by herself. Mm. I don't want to know where she is. I want her to go and have that time and, and space to herself. That's right. I don't want to have a GP. I don't want to be able to, you know, Send her a, a, a vibration alarm to say, it's tea time. I want her to come home when she's hungry. That's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, um, or if so she's I,
1: agreed to a time to come yeah, exactly. home when she you know, she's got to be responsible. Yeah, exactly. You yeah.
2: learn that responsibility. Whereas, right. It it just becomes a uh, people forget how to make decisions for themselves. Yeah. And it's
1: yeah. a
0: it's a big problem. So I I vote no. <laughs> I'm moving <laughs> to Germany. <laughs> Well, we had some competition uh, while we were in China over the last few days with a family, and, um, well, Pablo, Pablo was, wear, was wearing one of these, and it, it wasn't a GPS tracker, but it was, it was just the uh, you know, step-counter type thing. Right. right? Mm. And, of course, the way he runs around all over the place as yeah. uh, a seven-year-old <laughs> full of beans, um, yeah, he, uh, he did a few more steps than, uh, than Selena and I, put it that way. Hey, yeah. if
2: you're going to Disneyland, yeah, great, yeah. great idea. But if it's day to day life, forget about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well That's I mean right. I am I am curious about, you know, from a safety perspective and so on, but I think, you know, realistically in a country like New Zealand, mm. um, we're pretty safe and we don't have to worry too much about that sort of stuff. Mm. Uh but um yeah, it's uh it's a it's a good perspective, Nathan. Very interesting. <laughs> now, um now, what was the hacking story that we were supposed to? Uh, was that just Uber? My chance? Oh yes, oh, Uber. Yes, Uber. of course. So, uh, oh, dear. Um, yeah, Uber uh, back in the news again. Dramas. I mean, yeah. Uh, Paul, you've been sharing some opinions on uh, on I so- have social media about Uber. Um, yeah. uh, Around this one now, if we look around the country, there are a whole lot of different companies are. Um, that are providing a, an Uber-like service within, uh, you know, within parts of the country. Uh, in Auckland, we've got Zoomy, who, when yep. I tried them a few years ago, were absolute rubbish. Yeah, um, but my impression is now from everyone's feedback is that it's time for me to reinstall the app and to give them another go. Give it a whirl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair to say. I encourage that.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think they've got far more drivers now. I think what's happened is a bunch of people saw Uber as a way uh, to get out from under the thumb of the giant taxi organisations. They fled to Uber and then went, oh, I've just swapped one giant taxi overlord for another. Um, This is not at all what I wanted, but the app is so useful. So they've gone on to Zoomy now to try something else,
0: which yep. I encourage wholeheartedly. And, and there are equivalents in other parts of the the, the country, and I can't remember what they, uh, what they all are, but mm. I'm going to make an effort to actually go out and try them, just like I did uh, you know, when I went to the uh, Philippines earlier on in the year and, uh, and, and tried out um, Grab, which is a oh, sort yes. of big you know, company across Asia that are doing this. I I still think there's a solution for the taxi companies to to work out some way of partnering up uh on a on a platform because look the convenience yep. of landing in uh Hong Kong of you know going to just anywhere in the world at the moment to a, to a reasonable degree and having a chance that you can use Uber or you can be um in a position where you're like uh You know, tired from travelling, want to order some food, and you fire up the Uber Eats app. Um, That stuff is actually really convenient. Yeah, yeah. Um, And, look, I try and make the effort to try out some of the others from a a testing perspective, but from a, a consumer perspective, part of the reason Uber is so popular is it's this big global... Yeah brand that everyone knows about and not that many people know about the zoomies mm. and the other little apps that are specific and I know there are other apps in Hong Kong um, but I you know I couldn't name any I couldn't never, name, couldn't any, the, I couldn't yeah, name yeah. any of them uh, right now other than grab which maybe operates in Hong Kong not sure if it does actually um, so yeah it's I mean it's worth getting out and finding the one that that works for your locality mm. um, but be aware that these smaller firms potentially will have just as many, if not more, challenges from a cybersecurity perspective. Certainly, you know, probably easier for a big company like Uber, especially after what's happened now, uh, to get their cyber security a lot better. Uh, because they 've got the scale and the and the funding to do it, the other companies might be a little bit closer to that minimum viable product in terms of their offerings, um, so we kind of have to be prepared for a world and what we share with these companies uh, is going to get is going to get lost from time to time uh, and that 's why i don 't like it when any company is asking me for birth date and yep. you know more and more details than is just absolutely. Necessary to BMO, uh, to to operate. Much. In fact, yeah. you know, I remember when we we, we launched uh, worlddj.com dot com, going back about fifteen years as a, you know, online um, social network. But we wanted to get a handle of age for people, and I think we just did that with sort of some small age bands. I think the year they were born or something. Right. Um, but I definitely didn't want to be asking for. You know, a birth birth date, date because birth. That, that that's yeah. something that um yeah actually is is really bad from an so identity theft perspective. So do
2: you give a fake birth date then?
0: Uh, your Facebook I do, page. Yeah, I yeah. do, I do sometimes <laughs> Look, for, for not that one <laughs> uh, for for some for some things, mm. um, but I also turn off on the likes of Facebook and so on, publishing anything about a birthday, yeah, yeah. and 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 whatnot. Um, yeah, probably not too hard to to you know figure out for a lot of people because we'll mm. go on your page anyway and you know put mm. put something there and you know you feel like a bit of a um, you know. I don't know a Grinch yeah Yeah, if you jump in there and go and delete their posts that's right you know send them direct messages saying lay off I don't want my personal details you know I don't have a problem with that Paul
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's right we'll never we'll never wish yeah but you you wouldn't you
0: wouldn't do it Nathan so I'm I'm in denial (laughs) birthday (laughs) denial as well
1: (laughs) but honestly I think all of this so so um, Uber exposing all of this data you're quite right there will be more uh, and I think it, it all speaks to um, why we really need uh, stronger laws in this area, and the the Privacy Commissioner here, thankfully, has called for mandatory reporting of data breaches. This thing, um, you know, this this was months ago. They kept it quiet. They paid a ransom to m- try and keep it quiet. The whole thing's backfired horribly. It under the carpet,
0: yeah, yeah, fifty
1: seven million users who are wandering around with their data. Uh, exposed to who knows who. Um,
0: the unfortunate thing is it wasn't all of the data so it must have been a, 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 subset, a subset of the database yeah, yeah. that was, you know, That's right, but another you do database. something about it.
1: You tell everybody so they've got the chance to change their passwords. You get on and tidy up and uh, you apologise and you make sure you put it right. What you don't do is pay a ransom and hide under the carpet. Interestingly though, who, who actually
2: does? Who actually logs on and changes their password after they've heard of a, a hack? Well, I would say a very, very small percentage to people
1: I'll put my hand up because I am now one of them so having had my email hacked I've uh, got a password manager and the first thing it told me when I logged on the next day was uh, Uber's been hacked you have Mm. an Uber account please change your password and so it was It was prompting that behavior, which was tremendous. That's mm. exactly what I want from an app. Mm. I think as more people get into password managers and that kind of thing, you'll start to see a lot more uh, reaction. Because I, I was quite surprised this thing ran through all my passwords and said um, something like 75% of them are shared. So if you hack my password with Uber, you've then got access to my Twitter account or my bank account or whatever stupid other thing I've done I tend to use them in bands you know so all my social media have the same password and then all my banking apps had the same password I'm just right, writing all, all this down yeah yeah for, yeah it's, uh, can you see yeah, it stuck on the label on the bottom of my laptop. And, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah well it's all gone now so Dashlane <laughs> yeah, is taking care yeah, of everything yeah, for me yep yeah, uh, and, uh, and those tools are very you know, good
0: and they're also the future variants for businesses to utilize as well that they have similar types of functionality let you audit across an organization Yeah. When people are storing in these places and can sort of report back on how secure passwords are. Now, a couple of other things to cover before we uh, before we f- uh, finish up. Um, goodbye to Skype in China. So um, China have uh, have brought the axe down on uh, on Skype. Apparently, it doesn't um, it doesn't um, uh, fit in with the uh, the rules, uh, which is. Um, yeah, there's a little bit. The rules that, uh, being, thou shalt
1: let us listen into your calls. I, well, I, I think, suspect. Th- there's um, other reasons too. I think, right? That
2: China doesn't need Skype. No, well, know, that's we- true. WeChat's got 960 million users, <laughs> yeah. and it just so happens that is it, is it ten cent? Is that the how you yeah. say the the company they who own WeChat? they are also the proprietors of one of the app stores so in China. So, you know, it's there's a little bit of nationalistic pride going on there as well, oh, I would suggest. That's right, a little and, bit of protection. And I want all the tax dollar yeah. as well. So, you know, it's, it's, um, it's not quite as simple as that. I, I have to tell a story, though. I interviewed a guy for a, a DevOps role um, in a, a previous life, and he used to – what was the name? It was the People's Republic – Security University of China or oh, okay. something. I've got that. That's Mate.
1: where the National Party get their MPs from? Yeah, I think yeah, so, yeah. that's yeah. So
2: he, um, he <laughs> was a tutor there. He came to New Zealand anyway. And he worked on the Great Firewall. And he told me some great stories. Um, he didn't get the job, by the way. <laughs> um, I'd like <laughs> hire him just for the stories. He, he told us some great stories. What, what would happen to people is they'd get a knock on the door and it would be an insurance salesman, in inverted commas, and then that person would never be seen again. Fabulous, and then and this is like you know when he was in China, you know, five or six years ago, mm. um, people literally disappearing off the face of the earth uh, because some insurance salesman has come uh, because of their internet use or VPN use or whatever. So it's they take it very very seriously. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but there is the other side: the tax dollar, the just the fact that they don't need Skype would be yeah. my view, which is. Very, very poor, by the way. Being a big user of Skype, it has just gone downhill.
0: It's <laughs> interesting, quality isn't it? Quality-wise. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah.
1: Mm. Feature over quality. Yeah, well, yeah. that's exactly right. Mm. Which is probably why companies like 2Degrees are looking at offering their own Wi-Fi calling because I think now people are trained up to to make calls over Wi-Fi and are quite happy with it. They do want a certain amount of call quality, mm. uh, which is tremendous.
0: Yeah. yeah, well, it's interesting that 2Degrees that, uh, should announce that... Now, because Wi-Fi calling has been available in the US for yeah. you know many many years, yeah. and uh, yeah, th- uh, I think the recollection is uh, you know just a very small number of phones from uh, from Samsung initially that are supporting it. So I'm not, I haven't delved into the sort of technicalities because Wi-Fi calling has been arra- available on a very you know large range of of phones. Uh, in the US, and you know, I imagine other markets over quite a number of years. The big thing that stood out to me here was there were, there have been, um, I guess, two sort of standout reasons for me in the past to stay with Vodafone. Uh, one was a you know, location where I was living uh which didn't get good coverage on any of the mobile networks um the worst i think yeah probably was Vodafone it's certainly worse than spark uh, but with Vodafone you could get their sure signal box so you could still yeah. receive those you know if you had an important call or text it would still get to you well two degrees of just you know effectively nailed nail that by offering something similar although you're not just locked into having that box it's just any wi-fi and you're away uh, also you can be making those calls without roaming while you're international as well which is, is cool. Um, the other reason that I stayed with um, Vodafone in these, the last uh, week or so that I had away, uh, China and, and Hong Kong, um, w- was an example of just the absolute convenience of Vodafone's $5 a day roaming, yeah. which now works in something like 70 countries. Mm, brilliant. And that. while I was there, um, there was uh, uh, Deborah Peed from uh, PPR who was um, uh, referencing... Yeah, you know, just getting her her phone working, which was on um, um, on the on the Spark network. Yeah, and you know there were hoops to jump through. And a, a friend a friend of mine was sharing on on Facebook at the at the same time. Um, Regan Cunliffe had just been in um, uh, Hawaii. And he was and he was sort of mentioning on Facebook. Oh, I've just got back to New Zealand, and I've just finally got the text back from Spark saying my roaming is activated. (laughs) (laughs) Great, got back. Excellent. Um, So there is something to be said for you know for those those things. But uh, look, I think well well done, uh, Two Degrees uh, on uh, on being the first to market with that here in New Zealand. It's it's good you um, pay per minute though, right?
2: So you do. It's, it's, it's a bit of a still... head scratcher when you compare yeah. it with Vodafone's great roaming options. If that's one of their the benefits that they're touting,
0: well, uh, you, the your Wi Fi. Well, if you use the Wi Fi calling overseas, it's just as though you're in New Zealand. So you're just paying your normal. You're just paying whatever you would pay. So if you're on unlimited calling plan and unlimited texting plan uh, in New Zealand, then that would go with you overseas oh, as long as you. Are you sure As long that? as you, yeah, as long as you're limiting yourself to being on Wi Fi at the time. Okay. Yeah. So if you're calling, if your communications are on Wi-Fi, it doesn't dif- differentiate. So so it kind of, yeah, cr- actually mm. crosses across both both that's of good. those things. Uh, if you can cope with waiting until you get back onto Wi-Fi to get those, uh, you know, at least to send your texts, I think usually when you're roaming, incoming texts are free uh, yeah. these days. They c- certainly, um, you know, are on, on, on Vodafone. Um, We've come a I'm long way pretty in sure terms of roaming, case. haven't we,
1: from the bad old days with the uh, my biggest phone bill will be $1,800 for uh, turning on my phone in Sydney, thanks, with two degrees at the time, uh, and it, 49 megabytes of data. It just downloaded just
0: the before, you, before of my you email it. before yeah. you could yeah, turn, yeah. and that was it. I was done, $1,800.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I, it was actually – I remember the pre-data uh, days, and I was able to get email on my phone – Through a service from Vodafone, right? As uh, it would send, it would send. No, it would send me a text message. So I I don't know whether whether it broke. You know how much of it broke up, or whether I just got the first hundred and uh, you got a hundred and sixty characters. Uh, It might have been I just got the first hundred and sixty, and then if that was sort of looked important or of interest. Then I could, uh, I could plug the modem into the bottom of my palm pilot and find a <laughs> uh, phone line and a like local an bar or someone and, uh, <laughs> synchronize my email. Anyway, that, uh, brings us to the end of the show. Uh, cyber smart week is on, uh, this week and, uh, it's always good to be, uh, reminded about, uh, cyber security and the like. So, uh, any of these activities is, uh, is, is good. And, um, you know, it's, uh, Sometimes it has to be that you get burnt before you, uh, um, you know, consider these things more seriously. So, listen into um, uh, or, or take note of Paul's comments about being hacked and about uh, uh, passwords. Much, uh, much better to learn from others uh, lessons than to have to uh, yeah, uh, uh, fall foul of these things yourselves. Um, all right. Well, I think that's, uh, that's us for. For this episode, so thank you um, guys for uh, for joining the episode. Um, now, where do we track you down uh, online, Paul? Uh, usually on Twitter. I'm at Paul Brislin, which
1: is um, just as it says on the tin. And, uh, yeah, always up for a chat about anything you like, so
0: drop me a line. That's good. And, Nathan, you put yourself out there on social media, LinkedIn, or anything?
2: Oh, social media's overrated, Paul. <laughs> no, uh, you can stalk me on, on um, LinkedIn, if you can work out how to spell my surname, or you can uh, email Nathan me. McClintock. It's actually, it's, it's as, as it sounds. How many C's, though? Uh, no, feel
0: if, free to email me, <laughs> McClintock at gmail.com, the cool. old-fashioned way. Cool, excellent. Well, there may be one or two people that um, that actually uh, need Max Harvest, um Business continuity uh, tech which is it's pretty cool stuff um, mm. and it's always good hearing stories of New Zealand companies that are you know that are succeeding you know mm. globally uh, with you know innovative locally built uh, tech so um, look that's uh, that's very cool uh, people can track me down uh, on Twitter Paul Spain uh, and also across uh, Facebook and um, and LinkedIn so that's it thanks everyone for listening in. we'll catch you again next week see ya